Hello, everybody, and welcome to Kane and Rinse Sounder Play 44. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 44 is Kane and Rince's Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. Hi, all the way from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I say all the, I say that like it's miles <laughs> away. Well, it's miles away from me, but sure. <laughs> it's not miles away from our American listeners, for That's example. True, yeah. So I'm... I'm all the way from Brighton, England, yeah. in case you didn't know. Yeah. So we open there with a request from, I always want to say Sebulba, like out yeah. of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that's where the name came from. Sebular, yeah. Sebular, from, from Twitter, at Sebular. Sebulba, uh, I'm going to call you Sebulba. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Uh, and the request was from Twitter, and it simply went, any chance of the God's theme, Amiga version, on Sound of Play? <laughs> uh, the answer was yes. It's about time. That was Into the Wonderful, composed, of course, famously by Nation 12, uh, which was the collaboration between John Fox, former um, sort of synth-pop uh, pioneer from the 70s with Ultravox. Um, the collaboration was with Tim Simonon of Bomb the Bass as well, but I believe that Into the Wonderful was uh, a John Fox 
piece. Mm. Uh, the programming there was by Richard Joseph, the late Richard Joseph, sadly, uh, taken from us a few years ago. Um, and that was, of course, from the intro to God's by the Bitmap Brothers from 1991. That was specifically the Amiga version. Um, and, yeah, it's um, it's a tune that I've always loved. Um, we talked a bit about the Nation 12 thing. I think when I... Uh, I think I or somebody picked the uh, Brutal Deluxe Speedball 2 theme mm. uh, on a sound of play some time ago, and... I was talking about how I used to pop into record shops every week waiting for the Nation 12 album to come mm. out throughout 91, 92. And eventually it came out in 2005. <laughs> and, um, oh, wow. <laughs> like it was it was well out of date by then. Um, yeah. And I've never actually bought it. I've, I've heard bits of it. And it seems like the mix of Into the Wonderful they did for that album version um, was did not go down well with fans of the original. It was it was quite a different sounding piece. And I don't think the Brutal Deluxe piece, Speedball 2, even got on there. So, mm. yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was all a bit of a shame. But uh, but we still have that Into the Wonderful from from Gods. This, uh, this, the link that you have here, is this... Um... Mm in actual game like this specific version of the song it was on the intro so uh okay. there i don't think there was any in-game music in gods as i recall okay, okay. um this played as the uh, as the game booted as a lot of the sort of the most uh. um sort of opulent amiga soundtracks did uh but that said um you know the amiga had a, a very capable uh, sound chip sure. and some some of the in-game music on the Amiga, particularly uh, from the likes of Chris Hulsbeck, were was absolutely like well beyond um, what the the consoles of the time were doing. Mm. Uh, if you think the Amiga arrived in 1985, I think, mm-hmm. so that was around the time that the NES was getting massive in the USA. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, com- the in terms of sound chips, the, there was no comparison. Like the Amiga had this this stunning uh, thing that you could mm. flood with samples and it was stereo and it had, um, you know, you could you could make it sound like a, you know, like a decent synthesizer mm. of the time. Um, and it, I think it added a lot to a lot of games that wouldn't necessarily have been such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, this this came up recently thinking about Shadow of the Beast, the, the right, sort of re- yeah. remake reboot has come up on mm-hmm. um, PSN. It's been uh, received not that well. It's currently averaging <laughs> yeah. like a sixty-eight percent on game rankings. Yeah. Um, but what one touch that I like is they've included the original Dave Whitaker soundtrack as an unlockable. So huh. for for those who are nostalgic or just want to hear what the original sounded like, um, cool. it's in there. It's uh, I think it's like an in-game purchase kind of thing, or, oh, or maybe right, something yeah. you can maybe and not not a financial one. I mean, like right, a, yeah, like like a using. Yeah, possibly so. Yeah. Or maybe you just get it for doing a level or something. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, but yeah, Shadow of the Beast, or Beast was, as it was known during development, was a great example of a of a game. You don't really get this so much now because of the nature of technology and, and mm-hmm. the nature of games releases. But it was a it was a game where the audio visual side was just mind boggling for hmm. 1989. I think it was when it came out. Um, the graphics had it had like 13 layers of parallax scrolling, <laughs> and you know like possibly 
maybe 256 color graphics or something. I'm not sure. And oh. and this amazing soundtrack. And even though you know the game itself, uh, I think even even its staunchest fans would admit it wasn't necessarily always all that much fun to play. <laughs> it was just like a game that you had to have and you had sure, to try yeah. because it looked and sounded. You know, you knew that you were. This was a next generation. You mm-hmm. know, so that's sort of a, a, even though the ne- that next gen had been around for some years, there was it was actually a. It was a long transition from 8-bit to 16-bit in the sense of it becoming the populist format mm, okay. because it was so expensive. You know, um, Amiga's cost a thousand pounds plus Ooh. in 1985. Ooh. That was a huge amount of yeah. money. <laughs> you think that um, like Commodore 64 or, or whatever. Um, and I know, obviously, I know the scene was very different in America because mm. it was for gamers. It was much more about the the consoles, yeah, mainly yeah. the mainly the Nintendo. Nintendo yep. um, but yeah, so a Commodore might have cost you two to three hundred pounds with a disc drive and stuff. And that was, you know, for me as like a kid with a paper round, that was a substantial <laughs> amount of sure, money. But of the idea of getting an Amiga when they first came out is not something you could even That's entertain. Insane. You couldn't ask your parent unless you had rich parents or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had to wait until nineteen ninety to get my Amiga. So that that machine yeah. was already five years old by the time I was hopping on the new generation of machines. Sure. But that but that didn't feel out of date. It just felt like this was you know that was the new hot machine on the block along with the Mega Drive, mm-hmm. um, and the you know the SNES hadn't even come, even come out yet. So so it didn't feel crazy that the 16-bit computers had been around for five years and we mm-hmm. were only just kind of they were coming to fruition but um but very different times obviously yeah. um but even then you know with we're talking about expanded versions and uh, of, of consoles and um <laughs> yeah. you know i remember um it was only a few months of having my amiga 500 before games started to come out that demanded another 500 meg of ram <laughs> so it was like you had to buy an expansion to put in the in the bottom of the of the computer sure, yeah. and so on so yeah. the march of uh, gaming progress uh, has never uh, <laughs> not stood still since since the medium started sure, yeah. as we know <laughs> Anyway, that was a tangent. No, yeah. uh, no, it's cool. It's cool to know because, especially coming from over here, you know, I don't know anything about the Amiga yeah. for sure. You know, what I mean, like the, the closest like comparison I can think of in terms of uh, like the Neo Geo over here was I remember that was yeah. like if you knew someone who knew Neo Geo, just oh my god, yeah. how do they have all that money? You know, yeah. And then you go over and you just, you just play Samurai Showdown. And that was pretty much all I ever saw out of the Neo Geo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we play. Obviously, we had Neo Geo arcade machines, so yeah, so I got yeah. to play those games. But um, yeah, I don't even remember if the Neo Geo got an official power release. I think oh, it really? did. Um, <laughs> I th- but it was. It was certainly like the games were, you know, 120 to 200 pounds a time. Um, And now you can buy that Neo Geo X, which I looked into for a while, um, which is the, 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 Neo Geo uh, or Gold, Neo Geo Gold, is it? Anyway, it's got a handheld Neo Geo within it and it's got emulation software, but. Um, right. And that was that was only two hundred pounds, and and since more recently, I think it's gone down to a hundred pounds. But <laughs> uh, even that was um, uh, marred by overly, arguably over overly priced um, software because they were releasing mm. it in official packs uh, rather than you know just saying right and now download all your ROMs. Yeah, so yeah. they were releasing packs of games, but they were you know they were not cheap, um, <laughs> and people just thought, well, I can carry on emulating the Neo Geo <laughs> on my PC for nothing. So. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, that was often sort of described by magazines as the Rolls Royce of, of right. consoles. Yeah. <laughs> the other machine we didn't get here was the PC Engine, which you got as the Turbo Graphics. Oh America. yeah, yeah, with Bonk, Bonk's Adventure, and all that. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, not he wasn't called Bonk over here because oh, of really? uh, because of the slang. Uh, the the oh. bonk, bonking is a rather seventies um, style term for having sexual intercourse. So, oh, <laughs> so. So so Bonk was oh, uh, renamed no. either BC Kid or PC Kid depending oh. on which which version you were playing. Um but we did get we did get PC Kid or BC Kid on um, sure. on various other other platforms mm-hmm. he was uh, Hudson's Hudson's game yeah. was converted yeah. Um but yeah the 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 PC engine was a machine that I always wanted as well. Uh-huh. Um that was an 8-bit machine with a 16-bit graphics right. chip I think something like that but um is that where uh Splatterhouse started? I think Splatterhouse was, it was certainly close. It, I oh, think maybe okay. the arcade machine came first. Okay, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. It was cut back back in those days. It was kind of it was often close. Mm. Um, I was thinking about Konami doing um, Castlevania or Vampire, mm-hmm. and then the the Haunted Castle arcade machine that was basically a Castlevania mm. arcade machine came out very close to the original. Hmm. Um, yeah, but back then we weren't so. You know, incredibly aware of every single thing <laughs> right, that was yeah, released yeah. all the time, so it's, it's hard to tell without going back. But um, yeah. yeah, it had Splatterhouse on it, and um, perhaps most desirably at that point, it had the closest home version of R-Type that you could get. Oh boy! Uh, but it was such a big game that <clears> they they put it across two separate releases. So the first half of the game was on one cartridge, <laughs> and the second half of the game was on another. Wow. Um, fortunately, when they re-released that for Virtual Console on the Wii, mm-hmm. which had PC Engine games, sadly those haven't come to um, Wii U or Aww. 3DS. Um, they re-released R-Type uh, as a uh, as one release, <laughs> okay. but even even more sadly, uh, due to I'm not exactly sure licensing re. Uh, mm-hmm something to, reasons to do with IRM and, and I think they were possibly absorbed by Hudson themselves I'm not yeah, entirely sure so. but you can no longer download any of the R-Type games on the Wii Virtual Console oh, so wow. um, that's a shame third, yeah Third Lightning is, is no longer available on there either the, um, the the Super Nintendo exclusive yeah that's the one I played yeah, yeah great game anyway yeah. another <laughs> tangent yeah um, <laughs> okay. but speaking of uh, of 16-bit era sure <laughs> yeah, uh, we we have a series that came to fruition in that time. That was Street Fighter. Uh-huh. Street Fighter Two is, of course, the one we covered that back uh, some time ago on the Kane and Rince podcast. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Um, but you've brought us some music from this year's Street Fighter Five. Yes, I brought the main menu song, but mm. which is by there's a whole list of names here. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it a go. All right, Masahiro okay. Aoki, Hideyuki Fukasawa. Keiki Kobayashi, Takatsugu Wakabayashi, and Zack Singer. <laughs> so yeah, the well last, one kinda, last one kind of sticks Zach out. Zack Singer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure Zack Singer's a real person. Um, <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like a real name. No. Um, but yes, um, we don't know who wrote which pieces. No, but, yeah, that's um, why I want to give credit to everybody in case we miss somebody. But um, yeah, so I had like no interest really in Street Fighter V. Um, mm. I hadn't played it since 2. Uh, probably on the, the Genesis version, like the, I think that was Championship Edition. Um, so I hadn't played Street Special Fighter. Champion Edition, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I hadn't played three, um, hadn't played any of. Well, I've probably played a couple of rounds of four, but not really. Got never really got into it. And then um, I don't know why. Just like 
nothing to play at the time or what, but I went out and rented uh, Street Fighter Five, just just to give it a shot. Even though all the reviews were saying, you know, what they said, it's pretty good reviews, but they're all saying, you know, what we all hear: lack of single player content. And all. Not finished, basically. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Unfinished. They pretty much admitted that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was released in time for tournament play, right. um, yeah. and single player content was definitely uh, cut short. Yeah. Um, and so much so that the CEO of Capcom has even now come out and said, <laughs> "We won't be doing that again." It was it was bad. Yeah. And they, you know, I'm sure they knew it was coming because. It's badly affected the overall review score. Definitely, yeah. Um, I would say possibly by up to sort of 15, maybe even 20% mm-hmm. as an overall score. It, it sure, really... Yeah. Because, because you know, having played it, the fighting game that's in there is pretty sublime, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like, I, I had no interest in it, and I just popped it in, mm. and... Um, and then, yeah, I, I was like, oh, I'm returning this and buying it immediately because I, 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 somehow I just fell in love with, as you said, the fighting system is just so much fun. And, but, but the thing that immediately sold me was this song. This is the song that plays uh, every time you boot it up. Um, and it kicks off with this like little acoustic uh, prog rock kind of intro. It's not very long, a couple seconds. And then it just, oh, man, it kicks into like the heaviest metal song I've heard in a game in a long time. Mm. Like just, and it just like, it brought me back to all the metal that I grew up listening to, even though there's no lyrics or vocals or anything. Um, but, oh, God, it's just like the most epic uh, uh, metal song that gets me so hyped up to want to play more Street Fighter. And it's a good thing that I love this song because you'll be waiting a fair amount of time sometimes for a match. Um, but every time it's playing, I'm always like uh, just super pumped to get back into another fight and I could listen to it over and over again. So um, I hope everybody else enjoys it. Uh, main menu for Street Fighter Five.
So I do, uh, I like that tune, and, and um, as with every new Street Fighter, you know, it takes a while for me to uh, let things bed in about the new mm. presentation mm-hmm. and, and whatever else. And some of them really hit homes quite quicker than others. Mm-hmm. I, I, I We talked about the Street Fighter Alpha series, and I, I adored everything about Alpha 2, but mm-hmm. Alpha 3 felt slightly, you know, the audio-visual side was, uh, the, the audio side was slightly off for my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, with the uh, Street Fighter 4 series, <clears throat> I kind of, um, I liked it a lot at first, but over time I, you know, I grew to like it more and more and more mm-hmm. as I played it more and more hours. With Street Fighter 5, um, I've got an issue with the fact that, and, and I, I looked this up online because I thought maybe I was missing something. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe I'm not the only one. Well, based on that research I did, I'm not. When I have a Street Fighter game running, maybe it's maybe it's harking back to the arcades, but I like mm. the attract mode to loop. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I want, you know, but with the way they did Street Fighter Five, and again, I suspect this was just a sort of, you know, the fact that it's in... Well, maybe it's partly because of the nature of the game is that it's always online and you're mm-hmm. supposed to be in this kind yeah. of hub menu. But the attract mode doesn't loop. So you get this tune and that's playing, uh, uh, you know, while you're in the menu and that's yeah. fine. Uh-huh. But one of the biggest, hypest things for me in Street Fighter is watching the intro. Sure. The, the, the CG intro and, and having that yeah. music play and it yeah, normally yeah. sort of crescendos as the title appears on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for since, ever since, you know, the, yeah, the 1991 absolutely. Street Fighter 2, that's been a huge part of it. And this game just sits there on the screen. It never does, no matter how long you leave it, it never... So you, pl- you 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 boot the game once, it plays you the intro and it never boots it again. It never shows it to you I again. I seriously and don't even know... I can't even remember what the extract mode is because it's just yeah. like from now on, every time I pop it on, it just goes straight into that main menu. Yeah. It's a CG. Huh. I mean, I've, uh, there's an extended version on YouTube okay. um, and, you know, it's got a it's got a version of um, I think it's the, the tune is mainly I think it's the same as the one we've just played. Mm, um, okay. But it's, you know, it's in huh. tandem with some, you know, high quality CG, which yeah. sort of, you know, as as with the in-game stylings, it picks up with the sort of the the ink of the of the previous right, right. game and turns it into these sort of uh, ribbons of of you know motion and movement and kinetic energy and you know it I, it's wow. not an intro that I immediately sort of went well that's you know I'm I, that's my favorite intro yeah, of all time yeah. or whatever but but I like it and generally as with the previous of the various versions of Street Fighter Four the more I watched it the more and the more I associated it with the fun I was having with Street Fighter. The more, the more I wanted to watch it, yeah. um, and just, and and I just, I, I know it's weird, but I just like to have the option of no, like, yeah. like in the arcades in the old days of mm-hmm. having a game sitting there, even while I'm doing something else, sometime and kind of, you know, calling to me saying, yeah. "This is, this is the fun you're going to have." So just having that rather, it, and it's really rather a sterile menu screen. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think it's it just like, it's like a connect menu screen or something like just boxes all over. Yeah, it's really yeah. functional and. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And you know that's not to you know say as I say I think the fighting game that's in there mm-hmm. uh, feels absolutely brilliant to Definitely, play. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm no you know I've I've barely put any time into it mm-hmm. really so far compared to how much I ultimately will. Mm. But um, yeah, it just everything about the presentation of that game and the launch of that game yeah, was bummer. slightly disappointing, and it's yeah. a, it's a it's a real shame. I'm hoping that it will you know gather momentum over time, and games can these days. I think yeah. that's that's yeah. part of it. Um, but yes, uh, roll on. We're, we're very nearly in June at the time of recording. It's 29th of May, so we're coming. We've had two extra characters now, although mm-hmm. the character shop still doesn't work. So, <laughs> yeah. so you've got the characters, but you haven't actually bought them, right, as I yeah, understand. So yeah. you've got Alex and Guile, but you've, had, you you've not. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I presumably. You, yeah. I, yeah. Um, it's all very strange. I, yeah. You know, I unlocked the, the stage, so that works. I got the Guile stage. That's right. great. And, you know, the <laughs> new version of the Guile's theme or whatever else. But, uh -huh. um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this new uh, mooted sort of single-player content. Yeah. The, um, uh, and it'll, even though I know single-player is definitely not the most important part of Street Fighter. Of course, yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that I'm used to, something that I expect, I suppose, mm -hmm. and something that actually helps me practice the game without yeah. the pressure of playing online. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that, that's, that's to be enjoyed, I think. But, totally. Um, so you were talking <clears throat> a while back, um, you were sort of having a discussion on our forum, gamewins.com mm. slash forum, you were talking about potentially getting rid. Yes. Um, yeah. Was that, do, you, were you getting frustrated with being beaten or were you just not yeah, it was, enjoying the game enough? It felt like I had kind of plateaued. Like personally, mm -hmm. like just in my heart. Skills wise. I guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because right. I mean, I was only focusing on using Chun-Li and um, because yeah. like, I don't know, it's just something clicked to me. Like I played all the characters because you play through their, their story modes, which are like, what two fights long or something? Yeah, some of them two or three fights, and <laughs> yeah. against the the dumbest AI, right? The worst yeah, on the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so Chun Li clicked, so I I, I mm. went out and had you know I got that trophy for I think three hundred fights or something like that. So I, I put my time in with her, but I oh, still yeah. I still can't get in over like out of uh, super bronze is about as high as I go, and that's not even for that long, and it cuts me back down to bronze, and then. What's the one before that rookie? Like I just, I kept, I was just getting, I just felt like defeated. I guess um, demoralized. Yeah, deflated. Yeah, and then so every time I go back, go like think, all right, well, I, I guess I'm, I've gotten all I can out of this. I'm gonna go trade it in. There's something I can't, I can't do it. I don't know. I, I everyone don't. tells me to give. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I shouldn't play I, some new characters. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Um, like everyone says, I should yeah. check out Rashid. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. he seems to be like similar to Chun Li, but actually probably has a little bit more attack power. So I might give him a shot. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. I think there's two it. or three characters who have <clears throat> got to be worth the go, and even if just to see all their animations mm -hmm. and stuff, because the you know the visual side of it's so oh, yeah. so spectacular. Um, yeah, yeah. I I I don't. You you won't get enough money for it to be yeah, worth trading right, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you might get a, you know, if you keep it, you might get another. Yeah. Who knows how many hours worth of fun out of it. Totally, yeah. Next up, we have another request from the forum. We're just uh, interchanging uh, tracks from the forum with some of Sean's requests. Uh, I got Sean on this one because uh, he had to miss out on the last recording with Ryan and mm -hmm. Carl, was it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Josh. Yeah. Josh, Carl. yeah. Josh, Carl. <laughs> Carl was on a previous, Carl was on the one before that. Yeah. I get confused now we're weekly. There's just so many <laughs> right. podcasts. Um, so I thought, anyway, I thought I'd get you on and uh, do this one to cool. have some requests. But we also have our usual community stuff, mm -hmm. and that includes this one from Is Gimmer, who says, I wanted to post a submission for a game I haven't seen any previous mention of, Anarchy Online by Norwegian developer Funcom. One of the earlier MMOs with a terrible launch and riddled with technical problems, but it was hugely ambitious and offered a sci-fi setting while most others were all about goblins and fantasy. In fact, it's still going today while most other MMOs have closed their doors. I think you could easily do an entire show for this one soundtrack alone, but I highlight one of my favourites. I hope you of the rest of the community check out the whole thing. This is Dungeon Dub, Great Layers and Flow, says Isgimmer. Let's hear it. This is by Morton Sorley and Tour Link Linlucken and Björna Ava Lagim. Apologies for my Norwegian.
Dungeon Dub from Anarchy Online, indeed. I don't think we've ever mentioned or featured Anarchy Online, Mm-mm. to my knowledge. Don't think um, so. MMO man, uh, Anarchy mean anything to you? I just remember the name. That's no, about it. I've, I've barely even dabbled in like World of Warcraft. That's about as far as MMOs I've gotten. So, okay, we'll talk no further on that then. <laughs> um, well, except that your your next pick comes oh, from a game that yeah. is sort of an MMO. Sure. Uh, the yeah. Uh, in in some ways, it is an MMO. Yeah. Um, although you can only be in groups of up to however many people it is at the time. Three, is it still three? I think. Yeah. 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 Oddly enough. Uh, so, but this is a piece from Destiny. So, yep. um, there's obviously there. It seems like there's a bit of a story behind the soundtrack because Martin O'Donnell was working on it, and then mm-hmm. he was relieved of his duties from Bungie, and that seems to be. Uh, seems to have been quite a painful process. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Salvatore and C. Paul Johnson also credited on the, the soundtrack. But again, we don't really know yeah. who did what, how much O'Donnell did before before he went and so right. on. But certainly this is a piece that always stands out to me when I do play Destiny and, and yeah. as a piece that perhaps could have come from, from a Halo yeah. experience. Yeah, I mean, this is the song. It's called End of the Line. And um, 
this is a song like like how I mentioned the main menu sold me on Street Fighter. That this song sold me on Destiny from right. The this was uh was that an alpha that they released like the summer before it came out? Um, I did do something like that. Yeah, and I again had like passing interests. Like I was aware of Destiny. Um, I was aware of Bungie. I wasn't big too big on Halo. I liked Halo Reach. Um, but you know I, I, I was never really too big on the series and. So Destiny was just kind of interesting. So I uh, think I pre-ordered a copy and came with the alpha and I popped it on. And um, for the most part, I was having a good time. And then this track happens about halfway through the strike that came with it, which is the Sepix mm. Prime strike. Yeah. Um, and it's a song that kicks off right when you, you come to like this hallway full of laser beams and, and you let out the little ghost guy and he... Uh, he's like hacking some terminal to to get those things down. But during which, um, you go through three waves of a little horde horde mode kind of battle. Yeah, and yeah. um, like the fight itself is just kind of it's cool. It's it, you know, there's a couple. It's not as epic as the music. Exactly. No, but that's the thing. <laughs> like the music makes that scene so much more epic. Like yeah, it's. Uh, you know, it's just you're fighting three waves of enemies, and they're just the regular two enemies, like just maybe one or two captains, yeah. and that's about it. And yeah, <laughs> but the music is just yes. so, and the way it builds up and up, how like you know, the one wave will end, and then Ghost comes on and says like, "Oh, we have uh, more Fallen and Hive coming," and then then the drums <laughs> kick in, and then you're like, "Oh," you know, you're just running yeah. around shooting everything. It just it makes that it's just a really good example of how music can. Uh, make certain sequences stand out, even if if you took away the music, it'd be just kind of like another moment in Destiny. But this one sticks out so well in my mind because of how well the the action and the music line up together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, somebody on YouTube called Jim Jelly Jim Jam Jimbo <laughs> agrees. Uh, step one, he says, Get a good ass pair of headphones. Step two, turn volume up so it doesn't sound like muffled garbage. Explode your eardrums or can hear while playing song. Step three, get naked. <laughs> Step four, turn off light. <laughs> yeah.
So I think uh, that Sepix Prime um, is it, is that a strike? I forget yeah. what they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, strike. a strike. I get. I get. There's raids and strikes, and yeah. I'm so even though I've played a decent amount of Destiny, I still. Mm-hmm. Like the various currencies, the various names for things, I have no yeah, clue yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> um, I am a spaceman, shooty, shooty space, <laughs> yeah. uh, spaceman. Spell, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot. Of, I, that's the bit I've played the most times over and over. Mm-hmm. Actually, sort of arguably highlighting one of the issues that people have with Destiny, because sure. even though I've only played like a, a relatively paltry 40, 50 something hours, I don't know. Um, whereas Jay, uh, Jay, who is editing this podcast, for instance, put in 500 plus hours mm. um, and then started saying it was a bit repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, I'm already thinking that. But that said, I've yeah. had I've played that mission a, a number of times with a number of groups of friends. And every time it's been fun. You know, yeah. it's never yeah. it's never like and I know, you know, you can say that, you know, well, co-op, co-op shooters or co-op sure. games are always fun. But the mechanics the, mm-hmm. mechanic, the shooting mechanics are solid. Yeah, they're great. Um, yeah. I think, and uh, it's yeah, it's you know they're still working on it. I finally picked up the um, the expansions um, mm. when they were on sale yeah. in the digital sale because I bought the game digitally, thinking it was it was like a surefire must play <laughs> for for the next five years right, or whatever. But yeah. of course, they've already announced the sequel. That was <laughs> that was that was a load of BS and. Yeah. Um, and whatever else, but I still drop in from time to time, and yeah. again, I enjoy it every time I play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are some things I really like about it, and there are some things which leave me completely cold and baffled. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. can't imagine putting like five hundred or thousand hours in, so like some of our community have. Yeah, um, totally. but yeah, but having said that, like, there's still tons of stuff that I haven't done. Like, I've played a chunk of of uh, crucible mm-hmm. and again every time i play that it's like this is a really you know good quality yeah. engaging uh multiplayer yep. you know? but there's just oh. something off about about like every piece of the game there's just something that you're like oh, oh. what if they did this instead mm. yeah. it'll be a fun game to rinse whenever that uh whenever that comes around yeah it's a tricky one we talked about it yeah. um it's tricky because it's a difficult game to kind of go back to. Yeah. yeah. And it's a difficult game to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. And if you yeah. can't, you, you know, you have to do one if you can't do the other. Right. Either yeah. you have to have stayed with it the whole time, mm-hmm. in which case you're you're kind of by default going to be a massive fan, even sure. if you can, you know, articulate your, mm-hmm. your negative mm-hmm. points. Um, though, I mean, I, I, I suspect we will do it at some point, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one to tackle like yeah. how do we actually tackle yeah. that yeah. um yeah. we'll see we'll maybe in the run up to the sequel or yeah. something yeah. which is next year is that right uh, yeah. i think so i think, I think they're they're talk- yeah yeah cuz they're going to do another big update right. for destiny this, yeah. 1 i think yeah mm-hmm. we shall see okay more um scandinavian names slightly <laughs> well I say that, I'm, I'm probably going to get them wrong too, so I won't say they're easier. <laughs> Follow My Ruin requests a track from a recent release, uh, Unravel. says. Follow My Ruin says, I tend not to play newly released games, but I've been keeping my eyes on Unravel since E3 2015, when Martin Sarlin of Coldwood delivered his nervously sincere speech. I think then I'd committed to a day one purchase just to reciprocate this guy's passion for his creation, regardless of how the game turned out. The soundtrack of the game seems to nail that same sincerity. The composers Henrik Oja or Oya, mm. and Frida Johansson's use of Northwestern European instruments and themes, as well as being beautiful, evokes a sense of place in my mind. Salin admits that the game was inspired by his vacation and his home near Umea, 
again, apologies, Swedish listeners this time, offending the whole of Scandinavia in one <laughs> podcast. But what I found fascinating is that game reminds me more than any other of uh, any game I've played of my feelings where of where I call home and the geography and music in which I grew up in rural Northumberland, ingrained into me by my father, who is rather patriotic about our part of the world. A bizarre dichotomy, a new game, a nostalgic sense. Mm. I know exactly what he means. Yeah, it's difficult to segregate individual pieces of music. The game consolidates each piece into into one score over the extended levels without you noticing too much. But I've selected the third movement of the C level as a sample of the tone of the score as a whole.
so yes, that's a uh, a case of a of a, a, a sort of game that people you know think of as an you know indie in inverted commas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a platformer is actually released by electronic arts yeah um this year on the current big three formats i think that's fair to say mm. um it's on my wish list but i haven't I haven't played with yarni yet i remember the affection that was pouring out of social media when he was first announced right yeah i remember that reveal um and I think the game, you know, the game reviewed decently well, yeah. uh, without without spectacular reviews. But it now seems to have, you know, it, it doesn't appear to have necessarily, you know, been something that it wasn't like a it wasn't like a big deal yeah, in in yeah. the way that some games when they come out are, you know, whether it's Spunky or or Shovel Knight or right, something like yeah, that. But yeah. um, but I, I'm hoping maybe you know it's on my wish list. I'm hoping it'll turn up on Games with Gold or PlayStation Plus, and I'll get to play it because it's something I'm sure I'll get somewhere. Yeah, I, I imagine it'll be an EA Access title at some point too. Um, yeah, that's access, the yeah. that's the part that's been cool with me. Like I've, I've I haven't played this yet, and um, EA has always been a weird thing for me. Like I kind of uh, go back and forth on how I feel about EA as a company. <laughs> um, and yeah. and something like Unravel is is something that that gets them a little more into my good graces though. I think they've been doing a really good job of at least trying to expand their um their horizons a little, you know, th- trying to reach a little mm-hmm. bit more to the indie crowd and and not just do sports and blockbuster shooters, you know. So yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. I've always, you know, uh, I'm I'm old and I talk about the old days. I know that. Um mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm here for partly, but uh <laughs> But I remember Electronic Arts from the early mid eighties, you know, yep. and they mm-hmm. were they were a studio who uh, were as many studios were at that point mm-hmm. because nothing had been set in stone; everything was still being written. But yeah. everything they were experimental, you know. They did yeah. they did lots of really interesting uh, games. I'm, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Archon, which was their sort of action mm. um, chess uh, type game. Um, they did the Immortal on the 16-bit systems, which mm. was a sort of gory arcade adventure. They basically they threw their, you know, they 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 took on projects and they released games mm-hmm. and they developed games that looked interesting. Yeah. Um, and obviously, when Madden kind of came along in mm-hmm. the late 80s. Mm-hmm. It started to make them an enormous amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they released NHL uh, yep. or EA Hockey as it was first. Then they got the license mm-hmm. um, and then they got the FIFA license. Um, now, the thing was about the Madden games and the NHL games, from my point of view, and certainly criti- critically, this 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 would be attested to, they were awesome. I mm-hmm. mean, they were, you know, yeah. these games were such fun. Absolutely. I was such a huge fan of, of the hockey. Now, oh, for me, yeah, the me FIFA too. didn't didn't get good until about 20 years later but um actually it had its moment it had its moment in the late 90s but mm. um they were while they were lagging behind lagging behind in terms of soccer their their american sports or international mm. sports games were just you know right up there yeah and they would also still put out you know other interesting bits from time to time but obviously they became very focused on these money making of course behemoths yeah. Yeah. um but I've never, I've never found it easy to like. Yeah, I, I acknowledge, you know, some of their uh, previous attempts at nickeling and diming. I think mm, they were, yeah, they were one of the, they were one of the main people behind the, the, you know, the the season ten dollar tax stuff, season, yeah. season pass. Um, famously, their company was appalling to work for. Right. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, I, I believe they've made lots of strides in that area as well in recent years. But mm. obviously, I, I can only go by by what I read. But it's when I come back to 
just looking at the games on my shelves mm-hmm. and looking at the EA section. Like <laughs> yeah. It's always full of amazing video yeah. games that, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that yeah. I adore. Totally, yeah. So I'm looking yeah. at that now and it's, you know, Battlefield 4, mm-hmm. FIFA 16, Titanfall. Yep. Dead know, Space, these are games. Crisis, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm looking exactly. at myself too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's. Um, I suppose in some cases you could argue that these are, you know, they're, they're all put together by individual development sure. teams. They're sure. not, you know, yeah. they're they're released under the auspices of EA, and yeah. they are electronic arts products, mm-hmm. in either first or second party. In many cases, sometimes not. I mean, I don't actually know their like the the ins and outs of their relationship with Dice, mm-hmm. whether they simply oh, yeah. own Dice yeah. or whether it's a. Yeah. But, you know, they, when it comes down to it, they are still responsible for regardless of, of what they do. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would have a problem if, you know, they were like actively exploiting children in of third course, world yeah. countries or something. <laughs> right, but yeah. um, but because they've, you know, been a bit crappy to gamers mm-hmm. and employees and stuff is it's not good, but it's it's easier for me yeah. to overlook. In yeah. the, in the, all those, in, against, all those, uh, yeah. those uh, inverted commas, awards that they won for worst... Uh, yeah, company. yeah. Like that was yeah. all just that was oh, uh, a bit much, I would say. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's crazy. I'm sure you know there are they they were a high profile target and yeah, and yeah, I, and I easy. think and yeah that came up they that came about because of the EA Widow stuff whose real name I've forgotten, but it was oh, it right. was the the sort of expose mm-hmm. of their crunch, yeah. particularly their mm-hmm. crunch practices, and absolutely you know that needed shining a light on it. Totally, it seems yeah. that. Not only has that had a, a, a slow but definite knock-on effect on EA, it seems to have, it seems to be, you know, going through the industry based mm-hmm. on people I know who work in development. Totally, yeah. You know, they're not going to say that the last weeks before release of a game is now suddenly, you know, all yeah. uh, you sunshine know, and roses. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, I think the the way the industry works has, you know, having having had the sort of you know human rights mm-hmm. spotlight shown on it, mm-hmm. I think there are developers are under under more pressure now to treat their employees well yeah. and also i think as we've as as we find out uh in our own lives like being treated well by your employees uh, <laughs> your employers and by management you tend to work better yeah. and not leave <laughs> yeah. you know it's goes just a long, way. <laughs> it goes a long way so but yes um unravel by ea that was yeah. then now, next up, this was a surprising. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't expect to see Gran Turismo Six on the uh, on the list here. But yeah. so, what's what's this what's this all about? Um, we, well, yeah, I know. Uh, I think that as far as Kane and Rin's team goes, I think that only myself and Carl and a little bit with Tony uh, are really into the sim racers. Um, as far as I know, yeah. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fair enough. It's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough genre to get into, especially if you have like absolutely no interest in. I've tried. Yeah. But yeah, I'm they're, just not they're a really car sterile. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you gotta be, I'm not, I'm not even really that much of a car person either, but I don't know these, mm. for some reason, uh, Forza and Gran Turismo, um, I've I've enjoyed over the years, and uh, this song is called "Looking for You" by Daiki Kasho, and um, uh, Daiki Kasho has worked on Gran Turismo since I want to say three. Uh, mm. He's he's a, um, a rock musician, uh, and I I don't know if he has. I'm sure he does. He must have albums that are outside of um, um, that are outside of Gran Turismo, but I only know mm. him from. Uh, yeah. really the series and uh, this song specifically it's weird because <laughs> these songs are written I believe for Gran Turismo but 
the lyrics yeah. are are has nothing at all to do with racing. Like this is a song that seems to be about like a, a some kind of relationship. I don't, I'm not sure entirely. Um, but it's just it's the first song again. I, I was a little bit of a theme with my picks here of of songs that sold me on games. Like I was, mm. I I really like yeah. Gran Turismo Five as 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 much uh, as many. It had so many problems, but I still really had a good time with Gran Turismo Five, and so. <clears throat> six i popped in and i was a little bit skeptical because it had come out so soon relatively <laughs> after five mm -hmm. considering how long it took between four and five yes um and uh this is the first song that kicks in on, on the very on the tutorial race and man it, it's just it's a really cool song to drive to and gran turismo is a game even more so than forza or really many uh uh sim racers that can be incredibly boring to drive <laughs> and especially if they mm. kick start you off with like a, a kind of you know average slower car honda um, civic yeah yeah, yeah. something mm. like that to where you know it's just trying to teach you the ropes <clears throat> but this song backing over it again similar to that destiny song elevated the sequence mm -hmm. so i was having fun even though i knew you know x to accelerate left and right all this kind of stuff uh, is teaching you all these things. It is still, it still made the the sequence just really uh, fun and 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 it's just I don't know. It's a really cool song. It's not a kind of uh, it's a little more heavier of a rock song, like not so much metal. Um, but it's just it's a it's a nice driving song, and that's uh, it's a it's a hard thing to do, especially with uh, racing games, because especially Gran Turismo soundtracks have been very strange. It'll go from jazz to metal to rock to orchestral and getting the right tone for a race is 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 not the easiest thing in the world and i think they really nailed it with this song so looking for you by daiki kashi
looking into Daiki Kasho's mm-hmm. uh, back catalogue, it does seem to be almost exclusively video games. But really? what intri- and vast the vast majority of which are Gran Turismo. Uh, mm-hmm. Contributed multiple tracks to three, four, five, and six. Um, but I didn't know this. Contributed three tracks to F Zero on the GameCube oh, and wow. the arcade. F Zero GX AX. Oh man! Um, <laughs> Captain Falcon, Super Arrow, and Deathborn. Um, speaking of famous, you know, Rocky, yeah. <laughs> uh, rock style video game tracks. Yeah. Um, cool. But that association with um, Gran Turismo and uh, obviously driving and music and the mm-hmm. whole association in, in movies and TV goes back a long way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you I don't know if you get it in, a, in the US, but over here, you occasionally still sometimes used to get them more would be like TV adverts for... You know, okay, like yeah. double CDs of best driving anthems ever, that kind of thing, you know. So it'd be like, you know, REO Speedwagon and sure, um, yeah. Credence and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But the association with sort of arguably inappropriate or juxtaposed music mm-hmm. and Gran Turismo goes back, for me, right to the intro of the very first game. Mm. So in 1998, Gran Turismo, the advanced drive, the real, sorry, the real driving yeah. simulator, I think it was called, came out. Um, it looked amazing at the time. Sure, it really yeah. doesn't now, but the, like the replay mode was next level graphics as yeah, far as I was concerned. Yeah. And and so even though I'm not a, a car guy or a, or a, or a, a sim racer guy, mm-hmm. you had to have Gran Turismo. Yeah. It got an edge 10, you know, and the intro <laughs> sequence was a remix of everything must go by the manic street preachers. Mm. And I think the mix was by the, chemical brothers but i'm not sure (laughs) off the top of my head but anyway so here's this song you know this mid-90s anthem actually about you know arguably about the 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 manic street preachers change of direction after Mm. richie edwards disappeared Mm. um but remixed in this way so that it was cut you know cut with this um this intro this cg intro of these you know cars bombing around this track only ever six cars at a time or was it even four in in those days it was uh not many cars um (laughs) But yeah, it was, you know, it was exciting stuff. And similarly, I remember, I think, um, was it the first one as well? Had uh, Buck Rogers by Feeders as like one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was like one of those songs that just kept coming up time and time again and got (laughs) associated. So Mm. I can understand that vibe. Now from rock to orchestral, uh, this is uh, occasionally we like to feature a pick which is uh, from a game, but not the actual version you hear in the game, because mm. that's the one that's been requested by Mauricio MM from the forum. Don't forget to uh, keep you posting your requests at canarince.com slash forum. Mauricio says the compositions done by Sugiyama San for the Dragon Quest franchise is, along with the work of artists such as Nobuo Uematsu and Yasunori Mitsuda, a remarkable proof of the talent behind the Japanese video game music industry. I've been a fan of this video game series since I was a child, and one of the reasons for my appreciation of the franchise has always been its music, even when technical limitations in earlier games didn't allow for the implementation of an orchestral sound. But of course, what I'll show you here is the orchestral version of the song Pegasus, Saint's Wreath, a song that plays when, you guessed it, one rides the Pegasus in the game. The one that I could acoustically appreciate even more when I finally got to play the DS version of Dragon Quest VI. So this is Pegasus, Saint's Wreath by Koichi Sugiyama, the orchestral version. Thank you. 
that's Dragon Quest VI, Realms of Reverie, which has got a different title in America. Can you remember it off the top of your head? Not a clue. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a... I haven't played any Dragon Quest, so... Dragon Warrior mean anything? Uh, I know the little blue guy. I know the little, little slime. Oh, the slime. The slime, slime, yeah. But, yeah. No, I've never... I, I own a few Dragon Quest games, but I've never finished one. Mm. Uh, uh, in America, because I think Reverie would be considered too complicated a word for you <laughs> Americans, uh, it's it's rather like the whole License to Kill uh, <laughs> episode. I assume you're familiar with that uh, story. No, honestly, I'm not. No, I'm sorry. It's 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 a little bit pejorative when it comes to talking to to Americans. But supposedly, because the original story was called License Revoked, um, when they tested it in America, not enough people knew what the word re- revoked meant, so they mm. changed it to License to Kill. I'm not sure I buy it. <laughs> I think maybe they just thought License to Kill sounded cooler and yeah. was more was more familiar. But anyway, Realms of Reverie mm. uh, became Realms of Revelation in America. Mm. Um, which doesn't really mean the same thing, uh, but at all, in fact. Yeah. Still, never mind. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, I uh, I have various DS Dragon Quest games in a line in my never-ending backlog of things to play. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's a series we have occasionally been uh, asked to cover on the Cane and Rinse podcast. Mm-hmm. It would be a tricky one. Same with Final Fantasy. Enormous number of games, enormous number yeah, of hours. Yeah. Going back to, if we want to do it properly, we'd have to go back to some very uh, 80s RPGs, which yeah. are not always the easiest things to play and enjoy. So there are, you know, there, we're always thinking about these things. Yeah. Um, with the remake of Dragon Quest VIII coming, though, which is perhaps the most celebrated uh, game in a series, um, that's coming to 3DS this year, I believe. Mm. Um, that could reignite interest in it. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. Now back to more uh, contemporary and conventional matters. <laughs> uh, this is a band who we featured before because yep. um, they've contributed music to a Rockstar game before. So um, <laughs> I don't remember actually hearing this one in, in the game, but um, mm. I, uh, is it a, is it story-based or is it on the radio somewhere? Oh, it's on the radio. Yeah, it's okay. on, it's on, maybe that's um, why I never heard it. <laughs> yeah. So many tracks. Yeah, yeah. This is um, this is from Grand Theft Auto Five. It's uh, called High Pressure Dave by the band Health, um, who yeah we focused on before with uh, Max Payne Three, um, and to where they did this, the entire soundtrack for that game. And for this, uh, they actually wrote this song. Uh, Grand Theft Auto split the soundtrack split in between a few different ways. So there was the uh, ambient music or more ambient music by tangerine dream that was written specifically yeah. for the game and then there was licensed songs there's a whole host of course it's grand theft auto there's a million licensed songs and then there was a another set of songs that were all written for the game itself and and this is high pressure dave by health and it's based on a song from i think the late 70s early 80s uh called high pressure days by the units um, I see. I wonder. Yeah. I thought it must be in a pun or something. <laughs> yeah. It made no sense. Yeah, yeah. And this is um, speaking of songs that are fun to drive to. Like, man, I, first off, I love Health in the first place. Like, I, they're one of my favorite bands right now. And um, this song specifically, uh, I didn't know that they were on the soundtrack. And when it came out, I was like, oh man, it's Health. And and, and uh, uh, it's on the Radio Mirror Park uh, radio station, which is really sticks out for me that whole station for me is just perfect it's a lot very dancey very uh fun late night club kind of stuff um and uh yeah this song uh i think is a lot of fun and i think uh, a lot of people who are into dancey stuff will enjoy it so high pressure dave by health 
Pressure Dave by Health. Remember, as I've already said, please do continue to venture over to our forum at canarince.com slash forum or Twitter at canarince. Use the hashtag SOP. That'll probably work. Um, apparently, it also means standard operating procedure, but uh, we'll find them. You could do hashtag sound of play, I suppose. That might work better. Uh, anyway, at us, at canarince. Uh, we also have the Facebook page which is always worth a like anyway uh, that's where because we don't really do news on the main site or on the podcast but if you're uh, if you want the sort of the most um, relevant video gaming news disseminated facebook.com slash rinse is a very good place to go and there's a lot of uh, good conversation under the posts that we put there we share news from around the internet other sites because we don't have the resources or indeed the um what's the word we don't have the desire to um, retype out press releases all day. No, mainly we don't have the time, no. Uh, but we like games news, obviously. Uh, you can continue to request your favourites on there as well, and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play. We'll still continue, of course, to have Sound of Play's Sound of Play shows, as we did, did with uh, Jasper Byrne recently, where we feature a guest composer, uh, who can bring some of their own tracks and some of their favourite tracks. And we're also going to start doing the occasional themed show, the first one of which will be a uh, Legend of Zelda, uh, all the Legend of Zelda sound of play, which I think is probably going to be a good couple of hours long with uh, way more than our normal nine tracks. And uh, Ryan's putting that together. So that'll be something to look forward to in a month or two. I'm not exactly sure when that's scheduled for. Look out for it. Subscribe to sound a play and then you'll get every podcast uh, in this series that we put out uh, leave us an itunes review or rating don't forget to listen to our other podcast cane and rinse that's our main show i suppose um, we have now over 220 podcasts each discussing in depth uh, for a couple of hours uh, a specific game title or franchise from all the way back, we've we've uh, done some stuff from the very early 80s all the way up to, say, a couple of years ago. We just did Titanfall. It's a very recent release by our standards. Do listen to that. Uh, so it remains for me, Leon, to thank Sean and uh, also our community contributors. As I say, do keep them coming. We've got a, a decent backlog of requests, but we're going to need more, more, more. One of which for our final track is from a new poster at the forum called, I think, Bolche could be Bolsh. B-O-L-C-H-E. Make up your own minds. Anyway, a debut post saying, I'd like to request a song from the original Digimon World. The game has a lot of ambient sounds and effects rather than actual songs, but the few ones that appear are great, and anyone who has played this wonderful game will remember them. My favourite song is File City, brackets, Night, a relaxing piece that plays at night in the main city of the game, where you're almost always safe. It takes me back to those times when playing with the PlayStation on a small CRT, lights off, worrying about nothing. Besides, the music, the game is great. For me, this is the way all Pokemon Digimon games should be. Real-time battles, feeding your monster, taking him, her to the bathroom, suffering when it reached a certain age and you knew death was close. Different evolutions depending on how you train your monster. Great stuff. After this game, the Digimon franchise went the Pokemon way with turn-based battles and all that, but luckily they returned to this kind of game in the PSP game Digimon Redigitize. Mm. I must admit, I am not familiar with Digimon uh, in any way. Uh, I remember there being a cartoon, 
uh, and I assumed it was a Pokemon cashing. But I'm glad to hear that it had good gains in its own fans. Anyway, this track is, uh, as we heard, File City Night by Koji Yamada, Yuko Ishii, and uh, obviously it came from Bandai. Here it is, and we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. Thank you. 